Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Just before we roll into this episode, I want to talk to you about a couple things. As always, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags, main sponsor of the show. Use promo code John Stallone, save 20% on your whole order. They got some awesome stuff. Get yourself some shooting bags, a glassing pad. Check out some of the stuff that they're working on. Also, I want you to check out Lacusa. Lacusa makes wild hunted American whitetail leather goods, like wallets, card holders, stuff like that. It's a really neat deal. I got mine about a month ago, and I really love it. It's nice to know that your whitetail hide's not just going in the garbage or being left out in the field. And uh, it's being turned into something useful and will last you a very, very long time. If you use promo code John Stallone on your purchase, you will receive a discount. And uh, a couple other things. One, you know, I know you guys heard me say a million times, please go on iTunes, give us a review, helps me keep this free. And uh, lastly, I just want to touch on all the craziness that's going on in the world. It's really important for us hunters to stick together. They are really heavily coming for hunting we're seeing it all over the place it's popping up in every state where they're trying to chip away at hunting rights and change things up so if you want to keep hunting as special as it is to us now and have it be in our heritage and for the generations to come then learn to be better with your fellow hunter and learn to stick up and fight for what's right. Thank you. Let's jump into this next episode. Welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today we're going to talk about the new OTC guidelines um, or the recommendations anyway for the new guidelines and um, I have Brian Marinza on the phone with me and uh, we're going to kind of pick it apart a little bit and look at the pros and cons and see if we can't uh, get you guys the information that you need to make the proper decisions. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Uh, obviously, you got to talk about some things that are important, and there's some upcoming uh, commission meetings to discuss some of this stuff. So, I mean, I think it's important to kind of get it out there to people and give them a chance to at least have a voice if they choose to. Um, so, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Absolutely. You've been pretty heavily involved in a lot of these uh, commission things that have been going on. So, you know, I know I know you got your your finger on the pulse better than than most. So, yeah, I kind of you know I'm the chairman of Bow Hunting in Arizona Record Book Committee, so we deal with kind of the Bow Hunting Record Book in Arizona, and then I'm also on the board for the Arizona Bow Hunters Association, and I'm their kind of game and fish liaison. And after the spring uh hunt recommendations came out this year back in march you know the game and fish proposed and they did close or change 34 different over-the-counter archery deer hunts yeah and kind of the struggle with that man is that uh there was a better model to do that and in kind of learning this process the issue with the better model to do that was that the game and fish was limited to operating within the hunt guidelines. Okay. And just for, so for those who don't understand, there are hunt guidelines and hunt recommendations. Hunt guidelines are basically the rules and they set the guidelines for a five-year period in which game and fish can kind of manage the um, hunt structures 
of the big game animals that we hunt. So every five years, they evaluate hunt guidelines. Every two years, typically speaking, they evaluate hunt recommendations. And whatever the recommendations are to the to the commission, because the department comes up with the recommendations to the commission, mm-hmm. they have to be within the hunt guidelines. And, and so... And those are direct from the the um, biologist or the, or the game wardens for those specific Yeah, you units. have the... You know the the biologists. You have the the big game supervisors and stuff like that to handle that. But yes, it's the information that comes in from biologists. It comes in from you know harvest survey data as well as uh, fawn recruitment when the game and fish does their their own surveys via helicopters and stuff like that. So and they take into account weather conditions, patterns, droughts. Obviously, droughts a big one in Arizona. So right. those are the things that they they take into account. And so the two things that you know, I learned through this process is that we need to give the commission and the department the ability to operate within those guidelines. Uh, So it's important that we set the guidelines in a proper manner so that they can make changes and and do things that need to be done to ensure, you know, that we have a sustainable population of animals to hunt and, you know, for us and our kids and everything like that. And, you know, the the first thing I want to, one of the things I want to say is that, you know, the game and fish department has an extremely different difficult job. Um, typically in government, you know, most of you know that I work in government too. It's hard to make everybody happy. And so they're trying to do that. Um, there are some better ways that came to light and, and over this whole process in this last eight months. And I will give the department and the commission credit for bringing me into this process, allowing me to have a voice, uh, at least considering some of the, options that i've presented uh and you know really given a look at that stuff because they don't necessarily have to but they went above and beyond to to you know incorporate that and it shows that you know we as sportsmen are important to them although at times they make decisions that we don't necessarily agree with so i want to give them at least credit for that and, and give them you know a lot of props for for doing that right. so Going into the hunt recommendations, I'm sorry, the hunt guidelines, mm-hmm. on October 28th, there's a webcast done, and you can access it on Game and Fish's website. If you go to their website and type in webcast in the search engine, you will look, you will find it. Um, it's from October 28th, and it specifically discusses the, the department's recommendations as they pertain to the hunt guidelines concerning the over-the-counter archery deer hunts. And it also talks about uh, mandatory reporting and the pros and cons of that. So the first thing I'm going to touch on with you today is that the department made three recommendations in that webcast, and it's expected that they will make those same three recommendations to the commission on December 10th in Yuma. So the first recommendation is to maintain the status quo, which is to continue to manage and have over-the-counter hunts like we have them now. The issue with that particular uh, management style is that the department authorizes archers to have 20% of the total deer harvested in units. Mm -hmm. And if the archers exceed that 20%, then the department can close the hunt or they could move it to a draw or they could change some of the season dates accordingly at times. Well, if we continue to utilize that model, we will continue to 
shrink the units that are open mm -hmm. for us over-the-counter archers, which will put more people in the field, which is likely to increase success and push it over the 20%, which will ultimately lead to the closure of all the over-the-counter hunts, moving them either to a closed season or to a draw. Yeah, which I, I'm gonna put that. In, was, I'm gonna put that in a little bit of. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, in, in a little bit of layman's terms, so what what you're seeing with that current model is okay. Everybody who hunts here in Phoenix understands this. So 21 has been closed, right? That was a big mm -hmm. unit for guys to go hunt in December uh, with archery, right. and now that that's closed, everybody's hunting 25m and 26m. Or hunting over in 20B because yeah, or exactly, too. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So they're they're hunting the closest unit to that because, so you close one unit and then you force more people into another unit, which is going to ultimately end up closing that unit, and you're just going to be ping ponging back and forth, and and you know it's just not solving the problem. So, it's not a sustainable model, right. and I mean the the thing is is that if we need to close units to maintain that we have a sustainable population i'm 100 percent for that but we're going to get to it there's a better model that we've been using um, for other species that we can incorporate for deer especially the over-the-counter archery deer that we can use so i'm going to get to the second model that the department proposed which is moving everything to a draw the struggle with moving everything to a draw if you moved all of the over-the-counter archery hunts to a draw is that the department would see a loss of one to one point two million dollars in revenue because they wouldn't be able to sell the same number of tags. Right now, if that's necessary to manage the wildlife, then by all means we need to do it. But it's not necessary to do that at this time. And the other thing that we are not going to get into a bunch is that how do you how do you issue those permits in a draw? Because most of us have bonus points, are not going to give up our points for an over-the-counter, what once was an over-the-counter archery tag, so then you're going to have a huge influx of leftover tags. They talked about potentially having two draws. Well, right. if you have two draws, um, then you have two bonus points, which increases bonus point creep. And there's been some good conversation uh, to potentially go to kind of a similar model to Utah um, or maybe move to where like third, fourth, and fifth choices are don't use your points. But that requires a rule change that hasn't been discussed at this time. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on that because mm -hmm. I don't think we need to go to that. So the last proposed option or recommendation from the department was to utilize a harvest threshold system. So this is the model that I was pushing back in the spring when they made the hunt recommendations um, to close all the hunts. And basically the way this model works so everybody just understands is that it's the exact same or very similar model to what we use for bears and lions. Mm -hmm. So you would be required to report your kill or your harvest within 48 hours, either via phone or using a new e-tag system or online. And then they would set allotments of, you know, basically a threshold, a harvest objective for a unit for the season and for the, for the year. And once that objective has been met, then they would close the hunt just like they do on bears and lions. Right. And so the benefit to that is everybody gets the hunt. Uh, we can actively manage the wildlife during the season because they're setting the thresholds. And, you know, if we have a super dry August, we know that, that archers are more successful because they're able to sit water. Right. And so it gives you an, an obvious like management 
you know, a positive management on the animals. And then the other thing is it doesn't restrict the non-resident participation. And so I want to talk about that just a little bit because there is a perception, and I'm not saying it's not true, we just don't have the data to support it, that the non-residents, although they only accounted for 10.5% of the total over-the-counter tags in 2020, which we know we allocate 10% of the tags to them through a draw, so they're about at that number. Right. Um, but there's a perception that they are killing more deer in specific units. And I'm not saying that's not true. It may be true. But if we go to a mandatory reporting system, which I'm going to get into a little more, where they have to report, then we will have the data to actually move forward with the management. Right. So I think what, what, what's actually happening with that and that the reason why we're having that, uh, I don't know what the word to use here, phenomenon that you think the, uh, the out-of-state hunters, I think it's their, the out-of-state hunters are really concentrated into a few units. They're and that's not, true. And it's not like spread out like the rest of the state. Like, you know, people who live here know, oh, I got a little honey hole here. I got here, 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 and here. And then I know typically because fish and game, um, well, I'll leave this out of there, but I I know they paid people to promote and a lot of, lot of influx of people came into the southern units, you know. Yeah, there was some, um, obviously, some paid influence to get people interested in hunting Arizona. And I mean, you know, it's a business. They're trying to generate revenue. I, I don't necessarily fault them for that. It's just we need to have a better management plan in place so that we can we can account for that. And the benefit to the threshold model is that, you know, the prominent closures were in the northwest corner of the state where you have the border of California and Utah. And a lot of guys go up there and hunt those deer by kingmen and stuff like that. And so those hunters, unfortunately saw their hunts closed or shut down and so at least with the threshold model those hunts will be open to those residents they will get to hunt and they will have an opportunity it's just at some point they will be shut down if you know if the uh, harvest objective is met they'll have to close the hunt down over time we will have data to show okay how many non-residents are actually killing deer and how many residents are actually killing deer and do we need to manage the non-resident harvest because right now you know even on a draw we're not managing the number of deer harvested by non-residents we're just managing the number of tags that given to right them. and so that's kind of the pros and cons of that i know one of the issues uh, the department has is that it requires an article rule three uh, an article three rule change but the article three um is open the rule change process is open right now and so they are actively looking at that so what I'm going to transition into now is talking about mandatory reporting. And there's some things that are important to talk about this. So just to paint you a, paint everyone a picture, last year the department sold 30,606 over-the-counter archery deer tags. That's total, including residents and non-residents. They ended up sending hunt questionnaires, so the little questionnaire you get in the mail or you go online to fill out, to 28,637 people. Of those questionnaires, they had 24% response. So 6,952 people responded. So what's interesting about that is, of those 6,952 6, people, only 814 people stated they killed a deer. Hmm. So the actual numbers that we have for deer killed by archers on the over-the-counter archery hunt is 814. Now, the department uses an expansion model, and the department's estimate 
for the number of deer killed by over-the-counter archery hunters last year is 3,654. So that should draw some questions and some concerns to all of us. They only have effectively 814 deer that are actually reported being harvested, yet their estimate with 24% reporting is 3,654. So there's a big gap there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're wrong, although I believe that that, that data is inaccurate. I believe that those numbers are too high. We can get the real data if we go to a mandatory reporting system. And several Western, I mean, there are seven or eight Western states that have gone there. Yeah, a lot yeah. of them do. Even, even, so, some, even some in the Midwest. Right. And so the thing that, that we need to understand is that the way we can implement mandatory reporting is that the department's coming out with what they call tag modernization. It's an e-tag. It will be set up on an app where you can opt into having an e-tag and you can record your harvest via that app without a paper tag, which is awesome because right. we're collecting data, you know, from those who are successful who opt into the e-tag. Now it's not mandatory and we need to make all of it mandatory. But at this time, the, the, the department's pitch is not to make it mandatory. You can opt into it. So it would collect only harvest successful individuals data who harvested which is good. It will help. But if you go to mandatory reporting, it's very, very simple. In January, when you and I or anyone goes to apply for elk and antelope, mm -hmm. when you sign into your portal, it will prompt you to complete your hunter questionnaires. Yep. If you don't complete them, you can't apply. There's no penalty. Simple as that. There's no monetary fine. It's just simply, if you don't complete it, you can't move to the next step. Now, the department has the infrastructure. So now they have the app with the e-tag. They have the portal system. So they have all the legwork and the money spent to do this. And we as sportsmen need to, to push them to do that and get them to understand that it's important to us to have that data because it's a lot easier to accept that they're going to take away hunts from any group when we know we have all the available data. We're not going to get 100% reporting but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than 24%. Oh, yeah. What out of that? And so what I'm asking sportsmen and those that are interested to do today is I need you, all of you, to send an email. And, John, I'll have you link it up into sure. your podcast so people have it, to azhuntguidelines at azgfd.gov. And I need you to do that preferably by, before December 1st. The meeting's on December 10th. And what I'm asking you to do is to support the threshold model to manage OTC archery deer and to support mandatory reporting, not mandatory harvest reporting, but complete mandatory reporting. And you may have a different, some of you may have a different view on the over-the-counter archery deer tags, and you may have a different opinion on how to manage that. And by all means, share that opinion. Go ahead, share it with the department. But I think one thing that we should all be willing to get behind is mandatory reporting yes it's just i mean it's it's kind of foolish that we don't like when, well the other, yes we don't have that we don't have that we definitely don't have the population of deer that some other states have uh you know given the the limitation of water and the habitat and whatever so it's and you know it's it's really important to know exactly what we're doing and what we're taking and not taking not just guessing you know so i, I mean i don't care well they have a model and 
you know, they have a model that they've used and I mean, you know, it's worked for them in the past, but it's time to, to step into the, into the future and do things better. Just because we've been doing things the same way all the time, doesn't mean we should continue to do them that way. And there's a better way to do it. And I want to just put something out there for you. So in 2019, the game and fish department did an evaluation of five Western states who implemented mandatory reporting. And they evaluated California, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, and Washington. And some things that are interesting from this uh, evaluation is all five states acknowledge that good harvest data is required because hunting is a significant cause of mortality for some populations. Mm -hmm. So they recognize the importance of the mandatory reporting. The other thing that's important to mention from this survey that was conducted by our Arizona Game and Fish Department is these states implemented mandatory reporting because of low reporting rates using non-mandatory methods. So again, they were experiencing the same things that we experience here um, with low reporting, and so they went to mandatory reporting. And something the department likes to put out there is that they express concern that going to mandatory reporting will implement hunter retention and recruitment. In this survey, all states indicated that mandatory reporting has worked well for them. In addition, no state reported a decrease in license or tag sales because of mandatory reporting. So there alone, their own evaluation completely debunks that argument. Mm -hmm. So we have to bond together and show the department and the commission that we support moving in this direction. It's better for us, it's better for the wildlife, and it'll make you know the department's um, regulations and recommendations on how we manage the harvest of animals more defendable when the non-consumer, the non-hunter has questions if, mm-hmm. about why we do what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, John, if anyone has, I have all the numbers that I quoted. You know, it's all information that I've gotten directly from the department. Uh, if anyone has questions, concerns, would like additional info, they can reach me at my email, and it's Brian B R I A N dot Rimza R I M S Z A at hotmail dot com, and I'd be glad to share the information that I have um, with anyone that's interested. But it's important that we act. Uh, we, all of us can, can, you know, can simply complain all we want. But this is very simple, a very simple email just stating those two points that you support the, th- the threshold model for managing OTC deer and you support moving to mandatory reporting for all big game species can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, are, is there... Are they taking other? Are they taking other recommendations at this point, or it's already passed that point now? No. So the way that it works is that um, the department is going to make those it's those three recommendations to the commission on December tenth. Okay. And the commission can take those take one of those recommendations. They can ask for more information they could potentially come up with a different alternative on their own um, that they would want to go to. Okay. In, in general, typically speaking, and nothing's typical when it comes to government, as we all know, mm-hmm. um, 
they will typically choose one of those three models and ask the department to move forward with that for the hunt guidelines because the hunt guidelines um, will be finalized and then we will move into the hunt recommendations because in 20 the 2021 recommendations were only a one-year recommendation because of the um, drastic changes that we saw due to drought and COVID and the increased number of hunters. So they're going to reevaluate the hunt recommendations uh, in early 2022, and they will be making recommendations off of the guidelines that they choose uh, to utilize. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so the other thing I want to pitch is that please, please, please complete your hunter questionnaire yeah. as much as you can. I mean, get it out there. You, you guys, they are overestimating harvest uh, because they don't have the accurate data. The more data we give them, the more questionnaires that we complete, the better data they have. Um, so and, hopefully and we do can it do it honestly, you know? Absolutely, man. People, Absolutely. I think people feel like ashamed sometimes to put that they wounded something. And, well, I, I, you know, I think that people feel that it's going to be used negatively against them. And I will tell you that it impacts us way more if you don't fill out the survey because you allow them to use an expansion model that needs more data to be accurate. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Um, I'm actually going to, in the body of my, uh, of the post of the actual podcast, I'm going to take your whole email that you were sending out I'm going to put all that in there since it basically has all that information. Um, Great. And it will have the, uh, it will have that email to send the recommendations. Do you have any suggestions to people as to how to verbalize it to people? I know because sometimes people are like, I don't know how I want to say it. And then they don't say it, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, is it just simply, simple? I think on this one, you know, just simply tell them, that you support the thresh you would support the threshold model you know because you feel it's a better way to manage uh the the deer and that you support the mandatory reporting because it will give us the the most data that will support the decisions and i mean it doesn't have to be war and peace you don't have to write a big long novel i mean those are the two things that are that are important to get across and uh you know they'll definitely help with the work that I've been doing to try and get them to understand that. I mean, I know the commission wants to see where people stand on this because in general, as hunters, we don't always want more regulations imposed on us, mm -hmm. but this is something that will benefit us. And the general consensus from everyone I've spoken to a lot of, I mean, maybe one or 2% of the people I talk to have an issue with mandatory reporting. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the mandatory reporting. I could see how there would be some pushback on the threshold model. You sure, because sure. you know it, it, it potentially limits your ability to go hunting. Um, Absolutely, at least in, I mean, in a unit that you want to hunt. I mean, you know, there's definitely. I mean, but there, in a perfect world, if you could choose any model, there, there's other. You might be able to come up with other ideas, but we got to operate with what they're given, and those are the recommendations, right? That are being recommended. So please, you know, at least support one of those recommendations because that's what the department's going to show. Um, I hope you support the threshold model. And if, if you don't understand it or you want more info, by all means, reach out to me, hit me up in an email, and I'll uh, do anything I can to, to help uh, provide more details. Awesome. 
Well, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, it was an important subject. We're going to get this out there right away. And, uh, you know, um, hopefully we'll get it all sorted out and it'll be for the best for everybody and, and, and the animals, you know? Yep. So. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, thanks again. And, uh, we'll see if we can make a difference, man. I, I got, uh, I got to believe we can. So. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. All right, buddy. You too. Yeah. Bye.